0: Hey there, it's Chirag. Thank you so much for coming back. Uh, In this episode, I sit down with a gentleman named Madhu Menon. He is the founder and ex-CEO of a company called Rides, which is basically an electric cab company based out of Bangalore and they ferry employees to and fro from their offices. Uh, Now, In this episode, uh, we understand with Madhu Menon what it takes to build an actual business around electric vehicles and how do you actually crack the economics of it right and i think he gives a great perspective on it because he's actually done it and i believe he's one of the very few early people to have cracked the economics of a electric vehicle business in our industry and i think he has a ton of insights to give us so this is for people who are trying to get into this business understand how exactly should you be you know uh, uh, tackling the space and building an actual business out of it to sustain yourselves so i hope you enjoy it and gain a ton of insights from it and of course as usual do share it with friends and family who would find this useful as well thank you so much and happy listening You're listening to the Driven Differently Audio Experience, a podcast hosted by Chirag Joshi, an Indian entrepreneur who hosts guests both from his industry of electric vehicles and sustainable mobility and people completely unrelated like artists and creators with the intention of getting as many people involved in the mission to upgrade humanity to sustainable ways of transportation, aka being driven differently. I have a special guest with me today who I was fortunate to meet. Uh, you know, about say, I don't know, then I think October last about year, right? About a year back? About a year back, yeah, uh, and uh, it was, I mean, the first time I even met him was, uh, I didn't even realize that he was, you know, the CEO of uh, the company or anything like that, because he was so uh, nice and welcoming and we had no clue about what his position was in the company. And it's so nice to greet us and meet with us. So the guest for today's podcast is Mr. Madhu Menon. He was the ex CEO of Rides, a unit of Bhagirathi uh, company. Rides was, is a, a electric cab company that works mostly with corporates and has over 100 E Veritos in their fleet. And That's right. And that makes them the largest buyer of e veritors or has a fleet of e veritors
1: I think the second largest. You all already have lithium out there. Oh yeah,
0: true, so, true, true. Yeah. So, so they're the second largest, you know, buyers and uh, you know, owners of an EV fleet in the country after lithium cabs. And uh, they've just done some amazing stuff. And uh, it, it's been, uh, and it was headed by Mr. Madhu Menon, who came into the Bhagirathi Group solely to create the brand of rides. And he built it literally from scratch. And it's at a great position today. So uh, in this episode, we'll try to understand uh, how did uh, Mr. Madhu Menon you know, uh, really crack the economics of uh, business in the electric vehicle world? Because a lot of companies, as we know today, are struggling with the business case. Uh, they're coming out with a really great product. They're coming out with really great services. But on the core business side is where they're lacking and you know struggling. So this episode should hopefully make us understand how Mr. Madhu Menon did it and hopefully it should be a lesson and a learning graph for all of us watching this podcast. So with that, uh, welcome, uh, Madhu sir. Uh, thank you for, you know, opting to be part of this podcast and I'll let you, you know, introduce yourself to the community that we have.
1: Hey, um, thanks, uh, Chirag. Uh, great to see you and you know speak with you again. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, and some terrific work that you are doing through EQ in terms of uh, building the community and uh, you know putting the word out there and you know spreading the message about uh, electric vehicles and sustainable mobility. Hmm. Um, you know, this is much needed. yeah, so, you know, I think somebody who's interested in the industry, uh, you know, credit to the work that you're doing, all of us are going to benefit. So yeah. Good stuff, keep it going. Thank you, thank you. And again, thanks for uh, having me here. Yeah. So, uh, a bit of uh, myself, uh, I'm new to the mobility industry, I'm not an EV expert. Mm. Uh, my background is that of uh, a finance guy. I understand numbers, a so very, very dry subject, mm-hmm. right? you're the CA, right? I'm a, I'm a chartered accountant yeah, by okay. training and qualification, right? Uh, so I'm not an engineer, I'm not a mobility guy, I'm kind of learning mm-hmm. and understanding the space. Yeah. Um, you know, a few years back, um, in one of my earlier jobs, uh, you know, I had the benefit of uh, working on a sustainability platform. Okay. Um, and uh, we did bunch of things i mean we did things around water harvesting we are planning to put out you know uh, uh, solar uh, on our uh, roof and uh, have at least part of our power coming of renewable sources so you know this actually got me thinking uh, in terms of impact and uh, what i thought was probably what you would do in a normal course of business i saw a very very different reaction uh, from the employees the colleagues mm. uh, in that particular workplace plus uh, a lot of visitors that were visiting our campus yeah. uh, especially some of our colleagues from our uh, overseas units plus uh, bankers and bunch of other people i think the reaction was very very uh, you know you know very very uh, what do i say i think Uh, I was essentially surprised seeing the reaction saying that, you know, you guys are doing these kind of things, right? So that actually got me thinking Mm -hmm. and got me glued onto the space. Uh, There was a time where I almost went out and uh, wanted to start a solar uh, company. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thankfully, I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the economics of that probably at that point in time wasn't great. I was tracking the Mm -hmm. EV space Mm -hmm. uh, very closely, say probably from 2013 onwards. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, um, one of the first EV... Adoption by the industry happened uh, under my watch in mm. one of my previous roles. Yeah. Um, since then, of course, I continue to work in finance. And about two years back, mm. uh, I felt very strongly that I should do something in the EV space. And friends uh, who knew me and knew another mobility company which was interested in doing an EV, uh, inter- interested in Doing EV essentially put us in touch together and that's how, you know, rides happened. Rides is a very successful Mm -hmm. uh, product out there. Um, uh, Very happy that I have associated in terms of uh, rides and building that product from scratch. Yeah. Uh, uh, Very exciting journey. Mm -hmm. Now, coming to your question in terms of uh, economics and how do you basically crack that. Mm -hmm. um, So, so, I mean, like before
0: that, like take us through the whole, you know, uh, how did the... How did you get in touch with the Bhagirathi group, considering you were from a finance background and all that? And how did you really, you know, get together the resources building inside a company that was a mobility company, but was trying to venture out into an unknown space? And how did you really, you know, build that brand that is now a very successful brand, to be honest? Uh, and then, you know, how did you, you know, take it to the level where, you, where it is? right? So take us through that journey first.
1: Yeah, So, um, you know, the the company per se has a good, uh, you know, credential and legacy behind it. Mm -hmm. Uh, An existing mobility services company, uh, the one that you referred to. Uh, So they had all the resources. They had the strength of the balance sheet. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had people with them. Uh, What they probably needed was somebody who could focus on EVs. And that was basically my role. So Mm -hmm. I came into the company. We started... Something called as Bhagirathi sustainability, yeah. uh, which over- but
0: but but how does a Bhagirathi trust someone from a finance background to head their EV division? How does that happen?
1: I think it's uh, I think it's a question that you probably should ask them. I'm but like,
0: but but you would have had to do something to convince them, right? Uh,
1: maybe uh, so. This is in many ways not my first attempt at building a business. I've done this before, but not necessarily in the EV space. Okay, okay. Uh, I've actually built. Uh, businesses grounds up in my previous roles as well. Okay. Um, this is uh, in one of my previous roles back in Emphasis okay. where I actually built uh, a BPO business from scratch. Actually okay. two businesses from scratch okay. and uh, they've actually gone on to become very successful uh, BPM businesses for the company. Right? Okay. Uh, my you know over a period of time i felt that i should probably be seeing a, seeking a career in finance and heading finance and i kind of shifted out and uh, moved out of emphasis but yes. so this is not my first attempt at building a business mm-hmm. i mean i've done this before okay. um, probably not entrepreneurial maybe more yeah. intrapreneurial within yeah, companies um, the you know i had a decent understanding of the space the mm-hmm. thing about evs is everybody is learning yeah exactly. uh, it is a new space true. um you know, so when I associate with Bhagirathi, they knew about mobility, they knew what it takes in terms of running a fleet, people, driver recruitments, uh, you know, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was required was basically leadership in terms of uh, tying the EV platform together, right? Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, EV is not just about running vehicles, mm-hmm. but essentially it's about the charging stations, it's about, Ensuring the fleet uh, is, uh, the, you know, the fleet basically doesn't, fleet is running on a continuous yeah, basis. It, it's up most of it the is, time. It is up most of the time. Yeah. Um, and um, so I bring in kind of a uh, operations, commercial, mm-hmm. plus uh, my ability to connect with yeah. uh, people. Uh, probably I also had an innate ability of, Uh, doing what is first principles, right? Mm -hmm. Ask those questions, get into details. Um, I'm a keen student of science. Uh, Maybe, uh, you know, that helps because, you know, you get into details and data, right? So try to understand, hey, so what's the battery all about? Clearly, I'm not an uh, electrochemical engineer, right? So I do not understand the electrochemical properties behind battery. Mm. But what I really understand is, you know, how the weight impact, what is a kilowatt hour per kilogram and how many kilometers per kilowatt hour. These are the things that probably somebody with a commercial acumen can make sense of and figure out how does a product with, you know, X kilowatt hour, uh, and x uh, kilometer per kilowatt hour mm. can actually behave on the road, right? so yeah. these are small uh, mathematical so could synthesize
0: exciting. what's under the hood impacts the balance sheet. I think that's the part you could synthesize I could, very. I,
1: I, I could synthesize that yeah. plus I could potentially communicate the same mm. uh, you know uh, to potential recruits in terms of getting them on board. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I was very clear in my mind was uh, you know the EV operations. Uh, will have to run on a backbone of technology and data, right? True. That, um, that's
0: very dramatic. This is something even we, uh, you know, sort of uh, believe strongly in that the future of mobility is going to be driven by anything else, uh, more than anything else, it's going to be driven by data. It's not right. going to be any fuel, it's not going to be any, you know, electricity, it's going to be data that's going to drive it forward. And that's true
1: right so so the question was how do we so there is existing capability already in terms of people and you know running fleet experience but it was about augmenting this with solid tech and data and so i was focused in terms of getting that piece up yeah. getting the ev fleet operating uh, on the backbone uh, or behind uh, a good tech and data platform see what is the ev logic essentially about uh, it's about Keeping the fleet running. So if you were to take a uh, industry example, uh, especially with the low-cost airlines, I think uh, you know I think that's one of the things that we've learned, right? Wow. That the whole idea is to keep the aircraft running in the uh, yeah. up to the sky. Mm-hmm. So it's not about keeping them on the ground, but it's about keeping them up in the sky. Mm-hmm. And the more you do that, the more revenues mm-hmm. you make. The cost for the customer goes down, you'll have more people uh, flying and then consequently you have... Basically
0: increase the asset utility. Right. It basically
1: increase the asset utility yeah. right so a great example in the airline industry and uh, you know starting from air india and now yeah. to indigo the fact that indian the, the airline companies in india actually make money and yeah. india is one of the fastest growing aviation market mm. is uh, not to a small measure i mean it's yeah. to a large measure because of the uh, budget uh, air airlines, airlines right true. so it's about adopting the same thing it's about mm. ensuring that your fleet is operational most of the time mm. so the logic was very simple i mean you have to keep aside X number of hours for charging, mm. right? So, uh, assuming you keep aside four hours, and it's not an assumption. There is yeah. a reason why we need four hours for charging mm. because typically you get a range of, uh, you know, 100 odd kilometers a day. Mm. The charging time using fast chargers about 90 minutes, and assuming mm. you need to do about 300 kilometers in a day, you're talking three hours, right? Yeah. Uh, actually four and a half hours, uh, right? close to four, four and a half hours. So that leaves you with about 20 hours operating time. Mm -hmm. So the question is then how do you keep your fleet running for 20 hours? So Mm -hmm. anywhere between 18 to 20 hours is what the targeted operating time of your fleet is. Mm -hmm. Uh, And how do you achieve this? You achieve this through ensuring you're tracking your vehicles, of course you need to have uh, clients to deploy yeah. uh, y- y- your vehicles, whether it is ride hailing in the case of Ola, Uber or mm-hmm. what we were doing uh, in my previous avatar, which is essentially uh, do uh, enterprise transport yeah. or transporting people working in corporates, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so
0: was, that, was the move to tie up with corporates more of a natural progression because of Bhagirathi because they're more of you know, corporate clients and all that or did it make sense in an EV scenario even more? to tie up with corporates and not go any other
1: way. Actually both because uh, the enterprise is a great enterprise transport is a great use case for EVs. Mm-hmm. Uh, why because it's got predictable routes. True. Um, you know largely predictable mm-hmm. routes, right? Yeah. So you can plan your day, you can plan your 20 hours. So mm-hmm. what you really need is you need uh, multiple clients or even with the same clients you would need uh, operating windows that will ensure that your vehicle is continuously rotated, right? Yeah. So you plan your pickups and drops, and then you plan uh, again. You know, employee pickups and drops in the vicinity, or with the client, yeah. or probably in a certain radius. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the idea is that you know you optimize or you utilize your asset for 18 to 20 hours a day, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, enterprise transport lends itself beautifully to it. Uh, secondly. Uh, Bagiridhi, of course, was a uh, you know was a company which has got a fairly decent enterprise business running. Mm. Uh, so both these were the reasons as to why uh, you know the product that I worked on yeah. basically we tailored it or you know essentially service the enterprise customers oh. but having said this I think you could also use EVs for ride hailing it has to be a little more control because yeah. there is this aspect of range that you need mm. to track yeah. and also tie up range with the availability of charging stations yeah. so once that happens you could you know you could lend itself for uh, a ride-hailing, uh, you know, business as well. Mm. Um, you know, we've done, um, you know, a bunch of uh, uh, trials with the vehicle, mm. taking it out of the airport, yeah. taking taking the vehicle out, even far, far as far as Mysore, right? Okay. Um, uh. Uh, yes, there were... Uh, you know, we had to do stops in between yeah. to charge the vehicle. Mm. Uh, but these are all things that we did to mm. try and see, hey, you know, what are the ranges that you could essentially, you know, work the vehicle with. Yeah. Uh, you know, from the southern part of Bangalore, I would say from the uh, from the central business district back to the airport and back is not a challenge with yeah. the products it's, that's it's currently available. 80 km? It's, to and fro. it's about 80 kilometers yeah. to and fro, so that's not a challenge. Yeah. But you try doing this from the southern parts of Bangalore and Electronic City, then you are probably trying to mm. touch... Uh, at the limits of the yeah. range, and you start getting worried. But but then we tried in a lot of these things, right? Mm-hmm. With the right tracking mechanism. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I need to share with the viewers is that we never had an instance, single instance, at least till I was there, mm-hmm where the vehicles uh, basically stalled on the road for lack of charge. Okay, so, so
0: you never, you know, sort of stumbled between operations that's that never right. happened. That
1: never happened. So oh, the vehicles great. would never stall because of lack of charge, because it's been planned, you know, you've, yeah. you've got the right tracking mechanism in place mm-hmm. to ensure that A, this is the trip that you're undertaking. So this yeah. is the planning, but B, uh, you know that um, this is a distance, the vehicles are tracked, you yeah. know, so you can uh, essentially plan your trips accordingly. Yeah. Uh, so the enterprise transport lends itself, it's a good use case for EVs. Um, and again, uh, coming back to your earlier question in terms of commercials, it's all about vehicle utilization, right? So, so the more that's, you that's utilize, the key. The key is that. The key okay. is about how well you utilize vehicles. Mm. Um, you optimize utilization, you can justify uh, the EV product commercially. Uh, from an experience perspective, uh, clients, especially corporate clients, or for that matter, even retail clients, I would imagine they would love the product yeah. uh, because it is noiseless, fumeless, vibrationless. Uh, data also tells you that people once they convert or adopt an EV, rarely go back. Yeah, yeah, true. Ice.
0: I mean, I I don't know. I mean, if you've uh, you know driven one or I, uh, you know ridden an electric scooter or anything, I feel this immense sense of calmness while I'm in a traffic situation or anything. You know. I'm not sure if that's a thing, or I, it's just like psychological to me, but I feel some immense sense of calmness when I'm on that vehicle, while everyone around me is buzzing on their, you know, petrol uh, engines. And it's just because when you're even stationary, most of us don't switch off our, uh, you know, engines. And it's it's continuously vibrating, and there's a lot of heat coming in. And it's, it's sort of irritating, uh, but I think we've become very numb to that. But I, I guess even to the viewers who's watching and who are listening, Try out an electric vehicle and take it out in a very, uh, you know, traffic situation. You'll feel a difference. You'll feel that, you know, maybe it's like 5% less stress, but that matters. I don't know if you felt that.
1: No, no, of course. I mean, I've been, I've I've used a vehicle, so it is uh, uh, immensely uh, enjoyable, you know, uh, the the experience per se. Uh, The the fact is, when I say something uh, as uh, as obvious as fumeless, right? We probably don't even recognize some of these things, but mm. these are uh, feedback that we've actually received from a lot of the passengers who've used our vehicles, commuters, mm. Mm. Uh, or the, 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 on the corporate side, yeah. especially women. I mean, mm. uh, some of them are very sensitive to smell. Mm. For that matter, when yeah. male colleagues, uh, male yeah. employees, but people are really sensitive to smell. I think we had these kind of feedback. That's mm. you know saying that it's you know it's such a pleasant experience because mm. there are no fumes in the car, right?
0: So, I mean like for for corporate clients to adopt to an electric, uh, you know, uh, mobility sort of use case for them, because they already have ties with a lot of other, uh, you know, petrol engine cap companies, how was your selling point only that it's, you know, it's electric or uh, it's, it's, you know, all of these benefits that you've told, because I'm sure they came in later when they experienced it, but I, I guess was your first pitch a lot dependent on cost saving when you pitch to enterprise clients?
1: See the pitches is, uh, uh, is sustainability, oh. right? Um, commercially, and then you, you then then what you try to do is to see that how you can actually get them to adopt,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: right? Uh, see, one of the things that I have also realized uh, experientially working with customers is that, uh, especially with the current millennial crowd, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying everybody it, it essentially rings a bell with yeah. everybody, but uh, increasingly it's beginning to ring a bell with people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, clients love uh, you know a sustainable mobility product uh, okay. because uh, you know for them they also are taking constant steps in terms of redu- reducing their carbon emissions and car- mm. carbon footprint right mm. so one of the areas is uh, transportation right? Yeah. Uh, so any opportunity for them to reduce that is I think uh, an immense uh, internal uh, you know, uh, p- p- point for them, uh, even in terms of communicating to their own employees to say that, hey, they are a responsible mm-hmm. employer, right? Uh, there are clients who, uh, who essentially uh, you know, want to project uh, responsible corporate uh, citizenship, uh, okay. even with their own employees. To say that hey, listen, I think you know we actually care, and some of these do ring a bell with uh, the millennials. Yeah, exactly. Um, So that's one part of uh, the segment, the corporate segment. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other part, of course, is, um, and uh, I think people are slowly converting. I think that was one of my jobs Mm -hmm. in terms of evangelizing sustainable mobility and the benefits of this. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there's a segment that probably would love to convert, but would would convert if there is price parity. Exactly. Right. Uh, I think th- So the, uh, the, the, the role that people like us play is a evangelize mm-hmm. and essentially talk about the product and say hey listen I think there are products like there you, right. you should probably try this out. Mm-hmm. B is to make the commercials work for them. Exactly. Right? Um, you know you cannot, you cannot basically take a very uh, patronizing uh, True. approach. True. You, hey, you listen, cannot just
0: yeah I mean that's, that's an approach. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of companies are taking not just in like a you know a bhagirathi sort of scenario or right scenario, but a lot of manufacturers of electric vehicles are taking this route. And this is something that on our page, on our in our community, we we don't really like to evangelize and we don't really like to push electric vehicles and sustainability because of it being oh it's eco-friendly. But if they don't make you know practical commercial sense to anyone, no one is gonna shift because you know only so many people care about the environment really. You know at the end of the day they need to take care of their pockets and all
1: that. that's right i think you know if you look at the corporate side mm. uh you know they have their pressures right yeah. uh so, you'll will, you will essentially have to deliver to that, right? Yeah. You, you cannot basically be preachy to them and say, exactly. Hey, exactly. Uh, you know, this is all about sustainable mobility. Mm. You know, if you do not onboard this platform, you are doomed yeah. and, and et, cetera, et cetera, That's not going to work. Exactly. That's not going to work. So, True. you have to work with customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, be open with them and say, hey, listen, this is the product, mm. right? And see how best you can work with them. And, you know, I've realized that uh, yeah. uh, people do... Uh, eventually work with you right Mm. I mean uh, yes I think commercial constraints are there so it's a kind of you take two steps forward they take take, a couple of steps forward and Mm. then see how you can how you best you can work but clearly commercials is a constraint Mm. you will have to remove all uh, hindrances in terms Mm. of adoption Mm. and uh, get corporates to Onboard onto the platform. So so basically, when you, which means that hmm. the challenge is on people like us to hmm. ensure that hey, these price points work for them. Yeah. Which again goes back to the utilization point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You need to ensure the If you can utilized, work out your uh, right. numbers, if, you can work it out for them. That's right. So that's that's a way to do this, right? Yeah. Um, and so, that's that's been the uh, that's been the pitch. I mean, uh, how do you get people to adopt? How do you provide them price parity? Mm. Uh, and of course, the whole aspect of sustainability and employee experience. Yeah.
0: So, so be, I mean, like, if you, just to like summarize that, so there there was an angle of you know this costs you less than what you're currently using when you were pitching it to them. Uh,
1: I wouldn't say this costs less. Okay. But we would try to come in at the pretty much. The same price oh, okay. range. That's right? even or that's the, pr- a- is the same price that we are currently operating. Yeah. Uh, you know, coming at a cost less than what they're operating is actually quite difficult. That
0: Th- that, quite that's effective. that's that's a that's a myth right out there. That uh, you know using electric vehicles or you know even like uh, you know uh, adopting to them right now is cost effective. Because again, a lot of people use this thing, but that's not the true scenario, right? As of now, in the early adoption days, it's not actually uh, you know friendly on the pocket initially. But if you take it over a time bracket, it does become.
1: That's right. So, um, so this is where being candid helps, right? Mm-hmm. Um, see, today, most of the uh, corporates out there know the costing. So, mm-hmm. there's no point going and telling them that, hey, listen, you can actually work this lower than yeah. your ICE fleet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they understand uh, the price point, right? Yeah. Uh, they understand and there's no, there's no secret behind this. I mean, you know the cost of the product, you know what it takes to run the product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can do the math yourself, right? Yeah. Uh, the key is how do you basically remove that hindrance in terms of increased price from the customers how do you probably Mm -hmm. uh, achieve price parity reduce hindrances in terms of their adoption Mm -hmm. Uh, lower price point today is actually quite difficult right Um, there are there are models in which you can actually package Mm -hmm. uh, and kind of theoretically tell customers that you know you could be lower than uh, ice vehicles Mm -hmm. But then you really can't scale that model. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know you can probably handle uh, a very small portion of uh, the overall operation. Yeah. So you know that's not really uh, ensuring large scale adoption. I think you can probably play this for a small yeah. part of your operation, but mm-hmm. not,
0: not really not for the entire, bigger not,
1: game. Not, not not for the entirety of your mm-hmm. transport operation. That so, doesn't work.
0: So ba- so basically you model the whole rights pitch as uh, not. Mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, convincing clients on, hey, this is lower cost adopter. You, you know, priced, your focus was to, you know, really add that tangible benefit attached to what your service is, but at the same price of what they're currently using mm-hmm. or in the same price range. That's right. That That's became right. a compelling uh, pitch to the enterprise themselves.
1: That's right. See, the, the, the if you look at the current uh, services, the enterprise services uh, market, mm-hmm. it is fairly underserved, yeah. right? Um, the basics are being met in terms of compliance and uh, on-time arrival, on-time departure. Uh, but from a service perspective, I think there is lots more that you can actually do, right? Mm. Uh, which can pull in clients. I mean, and, and, and you know, you'll have client retention or you yeah. know, new client acquisition. Yeah. And it's about ensuring that, you know, it is price uh, yeah. parity. Mm. Uh, there is parity in terms of the price that they're currently paying with uh, price for a uh, EV service, yeah low carbon uh, and differentiated service from an experience perspective. So that is easy to sell, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You clearly, it's difficult to come lower than the price of ice, but what you could really do is to differentiate on services and uh, get people to onboard on a low Mm -hmm. carbon. uh,
0: So so, so if I understand well, you, uh, you know, picked the right horses in terms of commercials. Understanding that you want to work with electric vehicles, but you want to choose the best way to implement them. And then you didn't package it around the concept of just EVs. You, cons- you uh, package it around you know, great service quality, great operational efficiency and all the other added benefits of using sustainable mobility. And achieved a similar price parity of uh, the current uh, you know, cabs that were running back then on a petrol uh, or diesel engine. And that made it a very compelling product. So that's
1: right. That, that's what that's the pitch right. was. That's right.
0: I think that's. I think I think that's great. I mean, like I never never got to ask you this in person, but uh, this that's a great business case to have. You know, if you're trying to work with EVs, because a lot of people neglect the whole. You know, how do we actually implement our ideas and our ideals and push push it forward? So anyone to anyone who's listening and watching, uh, this is how you do it. You know, you really have. A, great sense of synthesizing uh, a tech product and really understanding what makes it, uh, where does it fit best and then working out the commercials around it and not pitching it on the basis of eco-friendly only and not pitching it on the basis of cost-effective only. Right? So this is a big learning that all of us should take it. from the, the,
1: the, the customers are king, right? So you yeah. have to figure out how to work with customers and, uh, you know, get them to adopt the product. True. Right? Yeah. So that's... That's the secret sauce. Hmm.
0: So, so you said you've been building businesses, you know, for what quite some time now, right? Right. So it was your third sort of venture built from scratch up? That's right. And but it was really the first venture you built. You know, it was a, your first entrepreneurial journey into the space. Right. Yeah, that's right. I
1: think the lesson for me is when you're doing stuff like this, mm. uh, you gotta stay the course, right? Oh. Uh, and you have to remain focused. Mm. Uh, and uh, especially uh, things as new as EVs mm. where everybody is learning it's a new industry yeah. uh, there are bound to be challenges mm. and um, uh, you know and these are long-term games right yeah. I mean these are long-term uh, uh, ventures essentially yeah. uh, so the, the question really is staying invested in the idea mm-hmm. uh, staying the course mm. And being at it. So this has been my learning, right? Mm -hmm. I really don't want to touch upon too many uh, Mm -hmm. things as to what happened and and stuff like that. Mm. Um, Now I look forward, right? Um, So EV has been something that basically I uh, associate with. uh, I mean, it's not just EVs. I mean, I associate with sustainability sustainability as a business. I mean, as you look forward, Mm -hmm. uh, I can clearly see an emerging low-carbon economy, right? Mm -hmm. And it's happening. Uh, You know, if you look at the commercial uh, real estate space, people are talking about reduced carbon footprint, Mm -hmm. lead platinum certifications, you know, how do you ensure uh, savings in power? How do you ensure savings in water consumption? Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's understand this. I think the industrial uh, era Mm -hmm. uh, of the 20th century uh, was built on cheap energy, right? Um, whereas as we look forward mm. um, I think people understand that we've been uh, using finite resources mm. thinking that it is infinite.
0: True. right? I agree with that right? part totally. Um,
1: so I think t- the time has come where uh, businesses will seriously look at uh, you know sustainability as a way of running their business yeah. uh, low carbon economy consequently it's going to be a fairly large uh, emerging uh, trend that I see happening. Mm. So you know this could touch things like real estate, industrial, industry, uh, any part industry, of our part of industry, our industry yeah. mobility for sure, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, because uh, the transportation industry worldwide is a large
0: contributor to uh,
1: is a large contributor in terms of consuming emission, fossil fuels emissions. and emissions. Emissions, right? true, true, true. Um,
0: so so you're saying as we go forward it's important for you know on a large scale the human civilization to become more aware of how much energy are we consuming uh, where is it coming from how much can we cut down on and really optimize so basically keep track of every bit of resource that we consume because till now even right now we aren't we i have we have no track of the resources and energy we're consuming thinking that it's infinite so basically what you mean to say is that it's time we instill in ourselves a little bit of energy quotient that yeah. is required, uh, and, and, that's, and, and that's exactly why you know the name energy quotient. We kept you know we use that as our uh, you know identity because it's not just about mobility; it's about you know humans progressing towards a more energy-aware society. You know, uh, and considering I mean you know this because there is the population of uh, the planet is 7.7 billion, out of which only half or less than half of the population comes into the mainstream economy the other half is still not has hasn't still entered and with the rate of you know technological advancement that's allowing all of these people to be part of the mainstream economy the current model of using resources cannot sustain us that's That's a given fact right that's right so it requires us to think in ways of how to best optimize our energy usage so that it caters not to just this you know, already existing unit, but for all of those people who are trying to enter. And I think in an Indian scenario, it, it, it cannot be a more similar miniature, uh, uh, you know, replica of the global economy, because the mainstream economy of India is built up of what? 300, 400 million people, but the rest billion people are still at the threshold of entering this economy. And uh, do we really have the resources to provide for them, for all of them with the current systems and structures in place? I don't think so and that's why I think it's important uh, in an Indian scenario even more because a lot of times you know when we talk about newer technology and emerging trends India seems to think you know oh you know it really doesn't apply to our case or or, oh you know what we don't really need it but I think uh, it it becomes important for us in this scenario for sure and I think we're taking good steps towards it right. That's
1: right I think if you see the uh, steps that the country is taking in terms of uh, increasing the share of renewable energy Mm -hmm. in our overall basket, Mm -hmm. right? So currently, the share of renewable energy in our basket is something like uh, 6 or 7%. Yeah. Uh, It is expected to go up to close to 20-25% by 2030. So that's a fairly large jump. Mm -hmm. And uh, remember, this doesn't include... Uh, large hydro. So, yeah, you're yeah. clearly talking about solar, wind, mm. and, you know, uh, potentially nuclear. In
0: th- th- there's a question, Because okay? on our page, we get a lot of folks, okay. Even yesterday, someone, you know, just tweeted us, uh, you know, just uh, DM'd us or put us in the comments saying that, you know, electric vehicles don't make sense because they consume electricity and electricity is produced through fossil fuels majorly. And, and, and that, according to them, beats the point of even switching to EVs. What, what's your answer to that?
1: See, you got to begin somewhere, right? So, yes, I think, uh, y- you know, there is this argument and uh, that argument has merits mm. because uh, currently uh, a significant uh, basket, a significant portion of the energy basket in India is through dirty coal, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's what it is today, mm. right? Like I said, you are uh, the, the renewable energy, the share of renewable energy today uh, mm. as uh, as part of the basket is about 6% and mm. it is slated to go up to 20% mm. uh, 30% uh, yeah. by 2030 mm. so that's a significant change mm. in the overall energy basket of the country
2: yeah.
1: uh, so don't build for what's happened in the past i think build it for the future then ev starts making sense yeah. so there are two parts right um, one is uh, ev i mean using renewable fuel and of course storing it in batteries and mm. mobility which is what a battery ev does yeah the second is let's also remember a lot of the renewable power that is being generated today uh, which is solar and wind essentially is not uplinked into the grid okay. right so they are you know stranded assets generating power mm-hmm. uh, you know not being used okay now EVs could essentially be energy storage during day
0: so so right? are you saying are you saying that the energy generated through solar and uh, wind are not being you know, used to cater to all of our homes?
1: It There is a there is a uh, hierarchy in terms of uplinking okay. or uploading this energy onto the grid, right? Okay. So very often the priority is given to sources like coal for grid stability, mm-hmm. of course, uh, but there could be other reasons as well, right? Yeah. Um, I, f- I, I, I don't claim to be an expert in terms of uh, energy and energy grid, but yeah. I understand there is a uh-huh. hierarchy and priority and there is fair... Amount of stranded power as we so speak what today. happens
0: to that energy generated through so renewable?
1: So what happens is it's not consumed. It basically is available. Is it stored?
0: It is not stored
1: either, right? So it's it is, lost. It is basically lost. Okay. So uh, a, if you start looking into the future, okay, uh, and then you know the fact that the energy basket changes from say a six percent to thirty mm-hmm. percent, I think then you're not talking you're not talking okay. hundred uh, percent coal, right? Secondly, secondly. You could essentially use through vehicle to grid technology, right? Some of those technologies are not available here today, Mm. but your cars could essentially store energy. Now, is that possible? Uh, It it is, right? Yeah. The the technology exists Mm. potentially over the next. In a few years, mm-hmm. you might have vehicles with V2G technology. Plus, yeah. there could be things that you could do on the grid mm-hmm. uh, that could ensure that hey, you charge your car during daytime using, say, uh, when the when the, yeah. when the load is low, yeah, and yeah. where you've got fair bit of solar coming in, mm-hmm. and then you use the car in the evening when yeah. there is uh, you know back in the home to you know plug it back to the grid, right? Sure. When there is higher demand for power. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think the 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 the, the answer is build. For for the future, right? There's no point looking at what it is today. And then
0: so, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. So so you're saying that actually adopting to EVs will allow us to generate uh, and use the energy generated through renewables even more. That's that's what yes, you just. That's, 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 my that's, what, that's my understanding.
1: That's that, my understanding.
0: That's I mean like that's a great revelation. Like I didn't know about it as well. Like that's what happens. And if that's the case, then it makes, I mean like it makes even more sense, right? Cause I mean like a lot of people, you know, sort of, uh, uh, again, have this you know, second part of that question which I mentioned is that what if we reach a stage where you know, uh, uh, where the amount of electric vehicles just uh, produce, uh, consume so much electricity that we're you know, generating more electricity through coal. That becomes another thing, then, then aren't we beating the point? But my answer to that is, or what I think is, we most probably won't reach a scenario where the EV adoption is massive in the country, and that our energy systems haven't evolved right because the ev adoption is going to take its own time side by side as you said by 2030 we're going to have 30% of our uh, you know electricity generated through renew- renewables so i think it's it's on the same plane right it's that,
1: that, that is right that is right and as we speak yeah. as we speak we are a power surplus country in fact if um, and this is what uh, you know, we understand from the data that is available, right? Uh, the power shutdowns that are there or power cuts that are there in some parts of the country is not because of energy capacity okay. or, or production capacity. Uh-huh. It is largely due to transmission, transmission issues and last mile power infrastructure. Uh-huh. Right? So as we speak, we are already a power surplus, um, from hmm. a generation perspective, yeah. a power surplus country. Mm-hmm. Plus you've got, you know, the uh, large uh, scale, Renewable power projects coming online. You've mm-hmm. got nuclear coming online. Mm-hmm. Um, so building for the future, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And and see, uh, I don't I don't uh, you know foresee a situation where ice completely goes off. No, exactly. Uh, I, I put a recent know,
0: video that says there there even you know Modi gave a statement saying there will be coexistence of IC vehicles, electric vehicles, maybe some third sort of you know renewable way of. Transportation that's going to coexist. Till now, we had the dominant force, which is fossil fuels. Going forward, we're going to have an increasingly hybrid network of all of these things, right? Yeah.
1: So you know, you 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 you'd be in a situation where you know your intra-state, mm-hmm. uh, intra-city, uh, inter sorry, inter and interstate. Uh, transportation probably will continue using uh, you know fossil fuels while there are technologies available I think there are some very very interesting yeah uh, you know studies going on in Europe Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of electrifying Mm -hmm. highways okay Uh, you know uh, I think some of these could essentially get replicated in India Mm -hmm. Uh, these are not difficult things to do and it could even get tailored to suit our needs our needs Mm -hmm. in terms of see I think um, what is key to work in India is uh, to ensure that you are not junking large number of your assets overnight,
0: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So
1: people are invested in trucks, uh, yeah. you know, in, in diesel trucks. The question, the problem comes when you say, hey, listen, I think you can't use diesel trucks from another yeah, yeah, day, right? yeah, exactly. Uh, and this is not... Uh, the right approach from that, a capital That's not perspective. the solution right? It's not a solution It's not a right approach from a capital perspective mm. especially in a country like India where capital is scarce Yeah Right So the thing is how do you tailor these adoptions Exactly And um, I think there are very very interesting things that are going to happen on mm. road electrification mm-hmm. in India Yeah uh, I am aware of some of the studies and mm. uh, things that are currently happening yeah. uh, and the good thing about some of the uh, approaches that has been considered is that they're not going to junk the existing yeah. diesel assets. You're going to essentially work on top of that and mm. electrify it. Okay. And I'll give you an retrofitting? You mean? It's not retrofitting. These are okay. all compli- complex mm. uh, tools okay. uh, or complex methods, uh, mm. right? Uh, but there are other simpler methods that is being considered. And, okay. I'm, and, I'm, and I'm fairly... Uh, you know, my mind tells me that this will work in India, right? Mm. For example, uh, there is this concept of Roro trucks in the Kongan Railways. So, oh. so basically what you do is you you drive your trucks onto these flat, uh, uh, flat, uh, uh, you know, the railway carriages, right? So, these are those flatbed railway yeah. carriages. Yeah. And essentially, it is the goods train that carries these uh, trucks. It's called roll-on and roll-off, okay. right? Uh, so, the trucks don't drive by themselves. They're essentially on top of, uh, you know, your... Okay. Uh, Freight trains, flatbed huh. freight, freight trains. Oh, okay, right. okay, got it. Uh, and so basically,
0: there is no need of that carriage that so, exists so, on trains. Like, you know, like right now we have no, the, That's
1: a concept that Congo Railway is very successfully used. Okay. So basically, they run this Roro trains where you have the freight trucks. For example, flying uh, from, say, a Mumbai to a Goa or a Mumbai to a Mangalore, mm-hmm. they, you know, roll on top of these uh, freight trains, yeah. hmm. these are those flatbed freight yeah. trains, and then the trains essentially move, right? Mm-hmm. So the trucks are just stationary on top of these uh, trains. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when they reach their destination, they roll off. Okay, And then so the major
0: chunk of the transportation happens through train, and the last mile and the first mile is handled by the trucks themselves.
1: That's right, right? So, wow. you know, something, uh, I wouldn't say similar, but almost on the same lines potentially could happen on, Uh, the uh, highway electrification, right? Uh, so there are a bunch of things that has being conceived, and I think I think I think these are these are things that can mm, work in India. Yeah. So the point I was alluding to was not junking existing assets. Exactly. Right? So you've got trucks. True. These are diesel trucks rolling mm. onto the freight trains, mm. which is getting rolled off uh, in the destination. So yeah. here there is no question of scrapping assets. Right? Yeah. So you'll have to work with the assets that exist today. Mm. Even retrofitting is not a great solution because mm. then you're putting in more money into an existing product. Right? Yeah. These are all complex mm-hmm. solutions. What we really need in India is uh, simple solutions, mm. capital efficient solutions, mm. right? Yeah. That is what was needed. Mm. Um, and then things will start working in India. Yeah. Um, so, the uh, the point that we are discussing is, is it going to be full-fledged mm. uh, EVs? I yeah. think it will coexist.
0: Mm. Uh, but but then there are some very, very interesting... But the step, the, but there step are very, is very towards sustainability the, 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 in the, whatever the, form.
1: That's right. I think I think the overarching uh, theme would be of sustainability. sustainability. Yeah. It will be about low-carbon mm. economy, yeah. whether it is mobility or mm. whether it is uh, real estate or whether it is... Uh, You know anything else? Yeah. Uh, The theme is about sustainability. Now, Mm -hmm. low carbon economy, uh, or uh, uh, you know, all of these underpin. Yeah. uh, Underpin Mm. the sustainability as a you know as an overarching theme.
0: Yeah, true. That's great. Um, so growing up, you know, so where exactly did you grow up in India?
1: I did um, I did my schooling and college in Kerala. I'm okay. from I'm from a place called Cochin. Okay. Right. Yeah. Ah. Uh, I came to Bangalore in 1998 mm-hmm. uh, after completing my CA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I moved with the same firm, a fa- fairly large firm called, uh, you know, Deloitte's. Okay. I moved with the firm, came to Bangalore, mm-hmm. uh, and then I came into the IT industry in yeah. 2000. You know, I was excited with the uh, exciting things that's happening in the IT industry at that yeah. point in time yeah. so came into the IT industry the global technology and services industry mm. and uh, was in the industry for 18 years
0: okay so you, you so basically you rode on the IT boom now you're riding on to the you know, sustainability boom as well
1: um, see here it's about solving the problem right mm. so it's not as much as uh, riding the boom here it's about uh, you know figuring out how do we essentially solve the problem right um uh, and that's really what attracted me to the space, right? There is a, there is a problem to be solved. Mm. Uh, there is a issue with uh, emissions and air quality and mm-hmm. whatever else yeah. in the country, right? Uh, can you do something in terms of solving that problem? So, and that's what I am trying to do.
0: So, so, but these are, you know, considering these are fairly, you know, macro problems that no one individual can really affect. And as you said, you know, it's a long term game. So, in your heart and mind, you're ready to play the long-term game as long as it takes and how much ever you can push the ball forward. Um,
1: You know, that's right. So, I have signed up. I know this is a very, very long-term, long-term-ish process. Uh, You know, I would want to contribute in whatever little that I can do Mm. uh, in terms of the space, right? Uh, And, of course, you you know, you you build a platform or you Mm. build... A, 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 a team you know you call it a company yeah. uh, and i'm assuming that uh, then the team will take it forward right yeah. so we, we 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 somebody has to do this somebody okay. has to start see there are there are uh, enterprises that are essentially making uh, efforts in terms of solving the problem right? mm-hmm. so whether it is uh, oems putting out products mm-hmm. or services companies that is putting out services there is a mm-hmm. lot of people actually doing stuff in the space yeah um I would like to be one of them right mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Uh, trying to solve
1: yeah uh, solve for this
0: true right so. so you'd like to be you know one of the earlier folks to join the industry and you know who sort of uh, because as of now there's a lot against the industry than there is for and there's a lot to you know turn over so you so basically I mean like like for me it's that you know like for me it's just so exciting to be, Part of an industry that's going through this change that requires the momentum and possibly, you know, give it that momentum momentum to turn over. And who knows, you know, with the rate of technology that we're moving ahead with in your lifetime or my lifetime, it could actually happen, you know. We could actually be living in a more sustainable world and where, uh, you know, the mainstay becomes uh, more energy aware people and uh, just more and more people joining the economy and more sustainable future for all of us. I think, I think for me, that's the personal motivation. I guess that is for you as well.
1: Yeah, that's right. So, you know, um, there is a problem to be solved, right? Uh, so, the thing is, see, there are, uh, you know, in our lifetimes, we really don't get to participate in transition or this is the way I'm looking at it, in, in such transition. That's so, exactly. what are we really seeing today? Yeah, We are essentially seeing transition in energy hmm. from... Uh, um, high fuel, carbon yeah. fossil fuel to low carbon uh, renewable sources, right? So A, we are seeing uh, transition and energy transition happening mm. in front of us. Mm. B, uh, in mobility, there is a transition happening as well, right? Mm. Uh, so clearly, I think uh, people prefer access versus ownership today. Right. True.
0: That's that's a big theme. Right. Coming so on. there
1: is that trend is also clearly visible. People prefer to access mobility. Mm. People really don't want to own, own market, one. Yeah. Right. And that's that change is uh, quite uh, prevalent and mm. dominant across the globe. So we've got this transition in mobility. We've got this transition in energy. Uh, we've got a uh, we've got a uh, we've got a problem in terms of emissions. And mm. also uh, the good thing is there is a uh, aware young population that's coming up, mm. right? And who also know that resources are not... Uh, yeah, what's, what's, your, what's
0: right? your take on... So
1: which essentially means that yeah. um, today or over the next few years, you are essentially witnessing uh, a transition in energy and mobility and interestingly, this happening together, mm. right? Uh, uh, you know, in fact, one feeding into the other in yeah. terms of energy mm. feeding into mobility, right? Mm. Uh, and then this essentially converging right so there is a convergence as well that's mm. uh, you know that's happening Um and so it's very exciting so uh, for me it's about participating in this transition yeah. and essentially uh you know solving some of the problems yes it is massively stacked against you mm. uh, you know as a services guy uh the biggest challenge that i see is there aren't too many products out there right so you'll have to start solving for some of the products yeah. uh, And, uh, you know, actually, I, in fact, I went down that path, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, you know, do we actually try solving some of the uh, product product issues, issues, right? Um, It is best left to the product guys, but that conversation is on, right? So, uh, you know, even as a services uh, focused, uh, uh, you know, person. Uh, what I try to do is to be that bridge between customers mm. and products that you really need to put out in the market, mm. uh, you know, with the OEMs and yeah. say that, hey, listen, I think this is what you really need to do uh, in terms of making this successful, right? Mm. Uh, so it's about participating in the transition and solving problems.
0: So, so what does the road ahead look like for you, like, what are you exactly looking at now? You've been, uh, you know, uh, in the exploration stage for quite some time right now, I'm guessing three, four, five months. yeah it's
1: about it's about um, yeah it's about four five months four five months um, right uh, so exploring yeah you do
0: you think you found your space and you 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 think you were you know that's the right place to head on and take this journey forward see
1: i'm vested in the space Mm -hmm. right Uh, mentally i know that uh, you know this is an area that i would like to work on Mm -hmm. uh, and solve the problems Um, have i firmed up a platform or a vehicle to do that Mm -hmm. Um, as we speak, it is still happening. So that firming up has still not happened. Okay. Um, you know, so the okay. I mean, basically, what I think is, I think there is a need mm-hmm. uh, in terms of uh, EV product. When I say okay. EV product, of course, I think as a, you know, I, I, you know, I'm more comfortable thinking service. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm continuing to work on the space, mm-hmm. uh, hope to firm up on something over the next, say, a month, forty-five days, mm-hmm. two months, whatever
0: time. Yeah awesome hoping to you know get some calls from you saying that hey we've launched this and i mean i, I really want to see what you're on to next you know because like i've seen you build one thing and that's really you know massively successful and it's uh something that really is solving an issue and i'm excited to see what next you're up to right uh just one last you know uh uh you know i need uh, a thought from you what what's your thought on the Current young population and how do you see us playing a role in this change that's happening?
1: Um, I think this is uh, this is a great question. Uh, I find uh, the current generation, right? People like Chirag, you and you know, uh, people like you know, my nephews and nieces and Mm -hmm. you know, all of them, they're a lot more uh, mindful and aware, Mm -hmm. right? Probably it's like people like me and you know the generation earlier to us uh, which probably were not really uh, aware or mindful in terms of our consumption mm-hmm. and stuff like that right so if you see this whole aspect around plastics and that's yeah. happened that's really happened during our times right mm-hmm. um, water for that matter right yeah. the way we essentially uh, consume water um, i think the current generation gives me hope uh, I can see some of the conversations already happening, mm-hmm. right? Uh, my daughter goes to the school um, where she actually comes back and gives me, uh, at times, uh, gets me to change behavior, right? Uh-huh. Um, I wish some of these things had happened while we were at school and, and mm-hmm. you know, while we were doing our education. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I believe that things would probably would have, wouldn't have been so bad, yeah. um, right? So I think the current um, generation actually gives me hope. Mm. I think this is the generation that A is aware, B doesn't mind, uh, you know, experimenting and adopting stuff. Exactly. Right. I think we've got too too much of baggage.
0: Yeah. Agreed. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I I mean, this is something I feel strongly about our generation is that we're more about, uh, you know, experiences and utility than about owning and status as such, you know, because that was the landmark. Uh, trait of the previous generation I wouldn't call you previous (laughs) but uh, even like even my dad or my mom all of these guys like the whole mindset back then was get a great job settle down own stuff that's your life but now because of the economy because of the global economy where it's heading I think uh, the current my generation is molded to you know uh, because we have so many things at our disposal without us Spending as much because you know, driving a car or you're know, learning a car or owning, you know, the experience of driving a car 10 years back was high. You had to buy one literally or you have, to have, you have to have someone in your family who has a car and that you can drive. But for me, I mean, we had a car, but when I turned 18, that time we didn't, Okay, we sold it off and something like that. So, but I learned everything out of Zoom car, on a Zoom car and at 100 the cost what was previously you know available to people like you you know when you were just growing up so i think our generation is increasing towards and again you know, you know i have hope in my generation hopefully we guys will step up and honestly we need to because we no longer can you know slack it off uh, like how it was previously because it's alarming right now and if 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 we don't do it right now we might just miss the bus
1: yeah and the uh, see the other important thing is i think it is time Uh, The government, uh, uh, you know, price things correctly. For example, if you look at water, Mm -hmm. some of the issues in terms of uh, the way we consume water is because it is not priced right. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: It is it is subsidized, uh, and that is the reason why people waste. The moment it is priced right, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, your consumption, the way you actually consume water, will change, right? Now, so that's it's important for the government and even for uh, society to start recognizing that. Um, I think there was this huge hue and cry on um, on taxes on fuel, right? Over the last four or five years, so when the price of crude oil dropped, I think the expectation largely was, you know, petrol probably should be thirty five rupees or forty rupees. You slash mm. taxes. I think I think credit to the government that they didn't do that in my mm. view, right? So they mopped up uh, tax revenues, and you know, hopefully they're spending it uh, in the right place. Mm. But I, I think that's a way forward, right? because energy per se is not priced right. Mm. Uh, You got to price it right, especially not just from a cost of uh, production perspective, Mm. uh, but also from an impact perspective, right? Mm. So are we really pricing for the emissions? And are we really pricing for- Yeah, like like a carbon tax? I don't want to use the word tax, but are we really pricing for the impact of some of these things? Because you know, somebody needs to clean it up, right? Yeah eventually the government or somebody needs to clean it up through actions. Right? Mm. So are you pricing for some of these things? So, so pricing for energy, pricing for water, I think some of these things pricing for resources in the right manner, mm. I think is important to drive change in behavior, right? Mm. You know, you got to, you got to do things to nudge people and, you know, change, change, yeah. change behavior. Mm-hmm. Right? True. Uh, you know, things are happening. I mean, if you see uh, the current, uh, you know, the, you know I think one of the uh, government initiatives in terms of plastics. So things are beginning to happen. Yeah. Uh, clearly, uh, there is lots more that we need to do. Mm. Uh, but the good thing is I think it started. It, it, it started. Yeah. Right. Similarly, you know this whole aspect of uh, reduction of GST mm. for automobiles. In mm. my view, it is completely misplaced. Mm. Uh, you know, if you go back two years back, uh, the when GST was rolled out what was told to us was that the manufacturers would essentially be able to take credits for Mm -hmm. taxes Mm -hmm. and hence the cost of the product will be low Mm -hmm. so while the tax rate could be high Mm -hmm. the cost of the product eventually in the hands of consumers Mm -hmm. is going to be low Um, there has been reduction in the cost of uh, you know a bunch of items daily use items that Mm -hmm. we do you know uh, you know actually if you go back and uh, trace the cost of products mm-hmm. like soaps and oils, I think you would have noticed that change. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, if you actually look at the cost of automobile products, mm-hmm. they really did change.
0: Okay.
1: Right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, so what was this whole idea about input credits, where did they vanish? Mm-hmm. So, you know, today to say that, hey, there is a problem, uh, uh, you know, in terms of sales and you need to drop GST, I think some of this is misplaced. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there is data to back, uh, you know, the, the, the request, Mm. uh, you know, for reduction tax and stuff like that.
0: Awesome. So, wow, long conversation we've moved from so many topics through, right. So I think uh, what we understood in this whole, uh, you know, discussion was that, you know, we've got to look at the right ways of applying electric vehicles to real business cases and solve real problems that's real the problems. way to start right, the right problems. Real problems that's the way to start and doing so will in turn result in a chain reaction of sustainable uh, you know you know a sustainable reaction you know behind the supply chain of manufacturing probably you know making products the energy generation so it's going to give rise to an entire chain reaction of sustainability throughout the uh, you know throughout the pipeline of things right and that's going to uh, allow us to truly be you know 100% sustainable and 100% uh, whatever pollution free of course it's a hard task but that's the way to go and that's this is how the hierarchy will you know uh, move forward and this is something that we already believed in but you know talking to you it was clear that this is how it sh- it will happen so thank you so much for uh, you know joining in on this podcast i hope this was a great session for you as it was for me and all of the People watching it and listening to it. Uh, any final thoughts before we call it off today?
1: No, I think um, you know, good conversations, uh, Chirag. Um, you know, I hope there are more and more people, uh, basically, coming onto the uh, bandwagon, mm. uh, you know, so to speak, and solving for some other problems, right? Um, I see a lot of youngsters actually, uh, you know, I, and that gives me a lot of energy, I see a lot of youngsters working in the space. I've, mm-hmm. I've seen a team of four people uh, put together an EV car mm-hmm. in, uh, back in IAD Chennai, right? uh, similarly a bunch of young people uh, doing some wonderful work, mm-hmm. uh, which is really, really exciting and uh, energizing. And I just hope and wish that more people join uh, the bandwagon. Yeah. And uh, you know, solve the problem, mm. right? I think there are the odds are stacked against you at this point in time, mm. but, but it's, it's never been more,
0: more exciting and more uh, you know historical than this.
1: Right? It is. It is tough, mm. but uh, you know, it is good to get in there and mm. then you know start solving one by one.
0: Right? Yeah. True. Uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us, guys, and to the ones who are listening. Uh, I hope this session was very fruitful to you. You understood all of the things that we uh, you know discussed here. And it resonated with you. Uh, and uh, hopefully, this was a great session for you to tune into. Uh, we'll come back later with a lot more exciting stuff. Till then, uh, thank you for watching and uh, be driven differently. Thank you.
1: Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Jay. Awesome.